0: Just nothing like the Word of God and the people of God and the Spirit of God. and You get them all together and great things happen. We're going to read a few scriptures here in Joshua 24, and then you can be seated. We're going to start in verse 1. Joshua 24... And verse one, and Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the Israels of the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham. Now I want to, before we continue to read, this is a very rare occasion that anybody would go all the way back and begin to bring the nation of Israel up to speed and mentioning the patriarchs. This is, this is a rare deal, but Joshua is a transitional book. It's transitioning into the promised land, and there are some things that have to be said here. Verse number two, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. That's going all the way back to Genesis chapter number 6 and 7. Even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. This is before Genesis chapter 12. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out and I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came unto the sea and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers, the chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season and I brought you into the land of the Amorites which dwelt on the other side of Jordan and they fought with you and I gave them into your hand that ye might possess their land and I destroyed them from before you so again just to recap Joshua is going all the way before God even called Abraham. And then he starts the sequence of events, including Moses in Egypt, bringing them out of Egypt and now bringing them to where they are. Let's pick it up in verse number 11. Just a few more verses. And you went out over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, cities which you built not, and ye dwell in them and of the vineyards and the olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity interesting language here now fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in egypt and serve ye the lord if it, and if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which be your father, which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whom land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And Joshua said, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what I want to talk about. As for me and my house. God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for these that are here tonight. I wish everybody in Cornerstone was able to hear that. I hope they listen on SoundCloud But we give you the praise and the glory. In the midst of this great journey, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. We ask you, let the word of God be a blessing to every life in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. I know this is really a lengthy reading for little Wednesday night Bible study. But it's the same old story that the nation of Israel had a problem with idolatry. Here, Joshua is going back into the lore, L O R E, and the traditional stories that were even told to him. He is reaching back into his memory. And he is providing a starting point and giving a panoramic description of exactly what we're doing out here. At this time in the book of Joshua, it is a book of transition. Um, The book of Judges is a book of adjustment. But the book of Joshua is a book of transition. The nation of Israel is transitioning from one side of the jordan crossing the jordan and going into the promised land and so joshua being an effective leader is going all the way back and bringing them up to speed historically that we are playing a huge part in a story that began way back in the ur of the chaldees and this is where Abraham began. Abraham actually began in Babylon. He began on the banks of the Euphrates River. And so their story begins with Abraham and his family being idolaters and how that God led them to Canaan land. And then god led them into egypt and then god brought them out of egypt uh, by way of moses and god did miracles in egypt and god did miracles in the wilderness this is a generation that saw their parents die in the wilderness this is a generation that was they were just children when Some of them left Egypt. Some of them were born, of course, during um, the Exodus and through the journey in um, the wilderness. But the majority of them remembered, and God is addressing that. And God is saying that you are here, you are part of this incredible panoramic journey in which now you are dwelling in houses you did not build, you're dwelling in cities you did not construct, you are, uh, domestication has already taken place. Somebody has planted gardens and planted um, all kinds of, all kinds of fruit and all kinds of situations and beasts of burdens have already been domesticated. And the nation of Israel has assumed this place but they still had a problem with idolatry because here you're seeing, I'm going to read this again just to bring us up to speed here. In verse number 15, Joshua is saying, and if it's, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) I I can't seem to get antibiotics at work. Look at verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Well, God has brought... them through and they are a part of this incredible history, but now they're being given a choice because God has brought it to the place where you're going to have to decide what you want to do, even though you're the recipient of promises and prophecies that were made to previous generations, you are going to have to make up your mind and determine who you're going to serve. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, and that's talking about, that's going all the way back to Babylon, or the gods of the Amorites. those, The Amorites were still in the land that they dwelt in. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Very passionate, powerful passage of Scripture here, and this is their response. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and we, and who did great th- signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went. Okay, this is an amazing, not just because it involves an incredible history lesson, but it's because this is a reminder that now, for all intended purposes, this is a fresh start. This is fresh geography. This is a fresh land this is you are now the recipients of the prophecies and the promises that were given beginning with father Abraham and now you're here and we have to get some things straight your families are going to have to serve God now when you whenever you see this phraseology where Joshua said, as for me and my house, that word house means a lot more than just a dwelling place, but it is literally talking about a family. Where a family dwells, where a family lives. And so now we have just come into the promised land. It's a fresh start. We got houses, We've got cattle, we've got grapes, we've got all this. Your household has got to live for God. That's what this is about right here. There are several references that Joshua makes to idolatry. He even mentions, this is one of the very first time very rare glimpse that you're seeing that Abraham was an idolater. It says this in this passage of Scripture. Abraham was an idolater when God called him out of that. And I believe that God really facilitated and began to cultivate a relationship to Abram. even though we don't have any Scripture that reflects that. We know that there must have been some kind of a relationship established because Abram was willing to leave it all and to pursue this God of promises. He talks about the idolatry of Abraham. Then he talks about the idolatry that was in Egypt. And now he's talking about the idolatry and the false gods that existed in the land that they now dwell. Make no mistake about it, even though they were living in the promised land, right outside the perimeter of of all of these areas, these geographical areas that were broken down according to the tribes, just on the border. Make no mistake about it. The ravenous enemy was there. And you have to understand that these false deities were fallen angels, whether it was Molech whether it was Ashtaroth, whether it was Dagon, whether it was Baal. These were fallen angels that assumed these deities. And so it was more than just like Achan having a wedge of gold and a Babylonian garment in his tent. To be an idolater in that day was to actually mean that you were worshiping or serving actually a fallen angel that had assumed a deity. And God wasn't going to have it and shouldn't have to put up with it because there is only one God. There is only one Lord. There is only one doctrine. There is only one gospel. There is only one savior. God demanded that you serve the living God. And I'm not going to give a, an exegesis of, of all this, but not only does Joshua talk about the fact that there was idolatry sprinkled throughout the past in this, in this incredible unfolding, this panoramic view, but God was working. None of these other deities did anything. They had no power. There's only one God that holds all power. And why should it even be a debate who we're going to serve? It's not even a contest. It's not even, it's not even an argument. There's only one God and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one that died. Jesus is the one that saved me. It shouldn't even be a conversation. And finally, as a commentary on this passage of scripture, the nation of Israel still had not Fully embraced. And I mean, I know that there were some. But keep in mind that there were only two of the spies that believed that God could do it. There was a huge population of the nation of Israel that still was easily persuadable to serve idols. Even after the miracles, even after water being turned to blood even after a plague of frogs and lice and flies, even after the death of the firstborn boys of, the, of, of Egypt, even after a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. Even after splitting the Red Sea. Even after destroying Pharaoh's armies. Even after water out of a rock. Even after quail from an eastern wind. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to show you that human beings, I don't care where you are, what time you are, they're fickle. They, they, they go with the wind. This incredible passage of scripture proves it. It doesn't matter what God did. And so now we have finally come in after God meticulously, meticulously gave prophecy and promise. And now the nation of Israel is placed under the direction by God. It came to the place where the leader had to give him a choice. Who are you going to serve? And I find it incredibly interesting that Joshua says, as for me and my house, I'm the leader of my house. I mean, I'm, Joshua is, is inferring this, that I am the leader of my home, and my home is going to live for God. This is the way that it's going to be established in the promised land. No idolatry, no wishy-washy, no in one minute and out the next no, here, there, a little, this going on in secret. No, 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 no. We're, we're, the, we're the end result of the greatest prophecy of the Old Testament. We have all seen it with our eyes. We've heard it with our ears. And now we're only going to have a one way, and it's going to be God's way. And it's going to be God's home with God's word, with God's law. Clap your hands and give him praise. I find, this, I find this passage of Scripture staggering in, in its breadth and its revealing. Make no mistake about it, the nation of Israel, although being eyewitnesses of the, the power and the glory of God, That's what they saw at Sinai with the the thunder and the cloud and the, the, the earthquake and the voice. Why was it so hard to extricate them from idolatry? What is it about the draw? of idolatry. I only have one answer. The draw of idolatry is this. Everybody else is doing it. We are the only people that are required to believe this way. It was a constant struggle with the nation of Israel. God's dream, God's dream was never fully realized by the nation of Israel because they were so fickle. So Joshua is saying that now that we're in place, the home, The family has got to be rooted and established for God. There's no other way that you can interpret this passage of scripture. Home life, what takes place within the walls. And I will tell you as... As a pastor in the 21st century, I am concerned. I'm concerned. I'm just concerned. I'm just concerned that we, we're going to have to work at preserving this. You don't have to say, man, you don't have to jump. You don't have to run the, in fact, if you ran the aisles right now, you'd be out of order. At least wait till I start screaming. But I am concerned as a pastor that what it truly means to be apostolic is becoming a fight. And again, I know I'm being redundant, so I apologize in advance. Thank you for your patience with me. But this had to be nailed down in the promised land before we go another day, before we take another step, before we see another miracle, before we get another word from God. And and Joshua didn't rake him over the coals and say, oh, that nasty that nasty leader, brow beating us again. he said, choose. Choose. Don't sit there and act like you're just a mannequin going through the motions choose exercise your will exercise your mind exercise your heart exercise your faith put it all together make up your mind but we're going to have to have it one way or another are you getting this Now, I'm just the messenger, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just reading you the word of God. But you are getting a very accurate rendering of what's taking place in the history of the nation of Israel. Where here they are, these guys have wandered their entire lives. And now they're being given the choice. He said, choose this day who you're going to serve. Either the gods or the Amorites. In whose nation ye dwell." Because we are not going to grow divided. We are not going to be blessed if we're tainted. We are not going to be whole if we're divided. And so just, just choose. That is exactly what I'm getting from Joshua here. Is he said, Choose you this day because we're not going to have it where it's either way or another day. And so the nation of Israel responds in the affirmative. They said, There's no way. I love this response by them, and this is how it should be. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Let's clap our hands and give God praise. It's not even a contest. (laughs) The nation, of they, they responded correctly. They responded correctly by saying there is no way Only one God brought us out of Egypt. Only one God could have done this. We know who we are according to the panorama of prophetical history. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now us. And so they answered in the affirmative. And I think that's amazing. And that's the answer that we should have tonight. In Jesus' name. But it all begins at home, doesn't it? It really does begin at home. You know, respect is something that begins at home. Respect is something that begins at home. Doesn't it? Yes? (laughs) Yes? <laughs> honor is something that begins at home. This is, what I'm ta- this is what I'm talking about. Respect and honor and value and the loving of truth, the value of God, that begins at home. Now, if you just, if you're brand new to this, You can say, well, pastor, because that's where I'm at. You can say, well, pastor, I wasn't raised that way. I understand that. And now that's the church's responsibility to not just tell you about it, but to manifest that in your presence. So when you come over to my house, you're not going to see a bunch of disorder and confusion and feel a bunch of worldly spirits and have a bunch, of, a bunch of junk in the shadows. It should be peace. It should be order. It should be respect. Come on, somebody. It should be respect. It should be honor. It should be yes. It should be no or yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir. Come on, somebody. Help me out tonight. We're not, not going to lose this stuff without a fight. We're not about to lose this for a bunch of sloppiness. And when you comb through the weeds, there's some other stuff going on. And that's why Joshua, he saw it. He saw that the nation, okay, we're in the promise. We're experiencing the blessings. We're, we're, we've got generations of prophecy behind us. We're finally here. But he could see that the people were being influenced by what was around them. Instead of looking inward, they were looking outward, and they were looking at the gods of the Amorites. And they were. And finally, the leader just says, "You know what? Make up your mind what you're going to do." And I'm glad that they answered in the affirmative. And I believe tonight that this church is healthy enough to say, you know what? There is no way that we are going to go running with the devil. There is no way that the spirit that is destroying people's lives, there is a spirit of insanity that is outside these four walls. I'm glad that there's peace here. I'm glad there's order here instead of chaos and confusion. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody had to fight for that, and someone's going to have to continue to fight for that. That stuff is not automatic. There's people sitting here tonight to know that it's too much of a fight to get it there. And once you ever do get it there, you can never let it slide back. Respect and honor is something that begins in the home. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and let's start in verse number 1. Children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That should start at home. Or if you're if you're first generation apostolic you receive the teaching and the example of what takes place here and you take it back home now I totally get that but I want to tell you where the apostolic and you can have big public meetings you can have thousands of people in an auditorium you can have the best music everything but what I want to know is What's going on when you go home? That's what God's concerned about. God's concerned about what's going on when people get home. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Do not expect your children to obey you if you're not obeying God. This is so reasonable. Well, honey, I think you should go to your room and pray. And if he's never seen you pray, I doubt he's going to go into his room and pray. Now, I think, I think that every family should have a family prayer night. I think every family should have a family prayer night where after you eat and there's been some conversation that somebody should say, well, we're going to go into the living room. We're going to have a time of prayer. Now my son is here tonight. Zach, do you remember our family prayer nights? Now He is, he's laughing back there and he and I know exactly why we're laughing, but he will also tell you that rain or shine, every single Monday night was family prayer night, because my wife and I wanted our kids to see that we had something in our home consistently, consistently. Consistently. Now, I've got a few memories where we had to separate the kids. Zach, you go over here. Ari, you sit over here. Mom, he's looking at me. We just keep praying. Dad, Zach threw a pillow at me. We just keep praying. Mom! Zach's touching me. Come on, somebody help me out. You know what? We just keep praying. Did it get deep? Not all the time. Did it last a long time? As long as we could. <clears throat> but we wanted our children to know, bless God, God is in control in this house. Whether he is bothering you or not, you are not gonna stop us from praying. I recommend everything. You say, P- Pastor, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know. The- Listen to the man of God tonight. St- have one night where you have a family prayer night for one hour. Hallelujah. Have some have some good pizza. Have something to eat. Keep it up. Mom and Dad, you got to get a hold of yourself. You got to be in control if you want to lead kids. And and you you keep it up and then you say, We're going to pray. Mom. Zach's pulling the dog's ears. I heard it all, but you know what? My wife and I, we just kept on praying. We just kept on praying. We just kept on praying. And t- and, t- and tonight, my kids know, we have family prayer night every night. I'm not going to let this thing go. I'm not going to let what this generation fought for and this generation to sacrifice and bring to the 21st century. And all of a sudden, we got so much worldliness and so much idolatry that we're not going to hang on to being apostolic. This thing is worth fighting for. This thing is worth praying for. This thing is worth sacrificing for. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. I am not going to tell you how to discipline your kids. But there's a big difference between discipline and abuse. Pastor, my dad's got a two by two and he's swinging it. Click. That's obviously Abuse. I am not going to tell you what to do, but the Bible does talk about beating the child with rods. The Bible does talk about that if you beat him, you will save him from hell. When you have a child that is in control of the home and the parents have got too much going on somewhere, something going on in that home where they don't even know what they're doing, then the devil is going to have a party. And then you're going to expect the pastor, the youth pastor, or the elders in the church to take care of it. No, you do it. No, you pray through in this altar. We'll pray with you. We'll do everything we can to help you. But you're the mom and you're the dad. You take dominion over that home and you drive those spirits out. Somebody clap your hands in the name of Jesus. Pastor, I don't like this. This is negative. Does everything have to be run around in circles for us to think that we're having church? In fact, that is a bunch of nonsense if you don't have teaching. It's not, it's not running that builds a church. It's you taking the word of God, putting it in your heart, putting it into practice in your home, having a godly home, having a godly... And then you can run and jump and shout, and every devil's going to have to back down. I'm serving notice. You're going to have to choose if you want to have a godly home or not. And I know a lot of people have come from a lot of different places, and I'm not holding that against you, but you're here now. And it's disingenuous to sit in a church where you don't agree with the teaching. This is not the only apostolic church in town. It is in Liberty Lake. It's about the only church in Liberty Lake. But if you're going to be in this church, you're going to have a godly home. You're not going to have some secret little deal going on when nobody's looking and have some kind of secret sin going on. And, 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 and you better pray you don't have children until those demons are already cast out and you've already won those battles. And now it's on the Lord's side. As for me and my house, we are going to raise children. We're worldly carnal backslidden churches are becoming a dime a dozen where we're Pentecost in name only. And we're Pentecost when we go to church, what I'm interested in is how you living in your tent, what's going on in that tent. You can do this. The nation of Israel was given the choice. And they gave a resounding answer. There's only one God, and we're going to do this God's way. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. As for me and my house, Pastor, we're having problems with our kids. I understand. If the mom and dad have their act together, it's going to really minimize some of those bumps in the teenage years. Y'all out there? If you have a mom and dad that have their spiritual act together, it's going to greatly minimize. And let me tell you that kids are going to be kids but this is why you're in the altar praying with them this is why you're working with them in bible quizzing because you know in the back of your mind i'm trying to get this on god's side I'm not gonna wait till he's 16 demanding an iPhone and all of a sudden I'm gonna have to pray and fast and stay up all night because I don't know what he's looking at. You should be doing this kind of stuff way in advance. That's why this church, this church, we have a Sunday school program. We have Bible cuisine. Don't turn your nose up at it. This is for you. This is for you to build a home. This is for you to build a heritage. This is for you to enjoy your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren all singing together and worshiping together and going to heaven together. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. End of story. End of story. Let's go to verse 2. Honor thy father and mother. The word honor there means to place a value upon You know, sometimes, sometimes kids, sometimes kids, it takes a little time for them to get that together. You can tell when your children have escaped adolescence. I'm not putting a um, a numerical age on that. But you can tell when your child has escaped adolescence because they quit blaming their parents and blaming other people for where they're at. I'm going to say that again. You know that your children have outgrown adolescence because they're no longer blaming their parents or others for where they are. Not one person has to say amen, but that was truth. You should probably write it down because there's still there's I, I i know that there's some there's some adults physically biologically an adult that still don't have all those dots connected like you, you, you need to get it connected and realize I'm the one that made those choices. I'm the one that wasn't that didn't want to pray. I'm the one that didn't want to be faithful. You know, God's not mocked. You're gonna reap what you sowed. Quit putting the blame on everybody else. Just say, thank God for a prayer room. Thank God for a church that wants to worship God. Thank God for a pastor that wants revival. Thank God for people that really want this. Quit blaming everybody. You're still an adolescent. And then there's Andrew and Ryan, Andrew, the magnificent. You know, I'm really proud of you guys. You guys are really coming on. I feel it in my spirit and Andrew's got a girlfriend. Um, she's about to move here. I'll stop there. He's getting embarrassed, but. No, I wanted to say publicly, I, I can tell when people are getting traction. And I want to tell you, traction is worth celebrating over. Because once people get traction and they, and they see that people that they admire are taking note, then they'll just keep going higher. Devil, you can't stop them. The world, you can't stop them. Their past, their guilt, the shame, whatever. It, the, the monsters in the closet, it can't stop them. Clap your hands and give God the praise. This church is all about seeing people move up and move on and get the victory. Honor means to value. Value your father and mother. When you finally get to the place of realizing, you know what? Thank God my mom and dad were faithful. Might not have had a lot of stuff. Might not have always got what I wanted when I wanted it. But my mom and dad had the right priorities. I want you to lift your hands right now. There are some of you that are sitting here tonight as a result of your mom and dad having the right priorities and making sure that you were in the house of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a huge, huge Huge factor. Come on, let's praise God. Let's thank Him for parents that had the right value system. They knew what was right. Honor thy father and mother. My dad is 96. When he was about 90, I asked my dad to come and live with me. I'm not really sure what I was asking for, (laughs) but my dad said that you are the only one of the kids out of six kids that have ever extended that to me. I told my dad, I want you to move to Spokane and let me take care of you. My dad and I, for many years, didn't even speak. When we did, I think he hated me. But he thought I hated him, so. I drug our family name through the mud and did a bunch of things that I deeply regret, son of the blood, tonight. But I wouldn't be here without my dad. And I'm going to love him even if he doesn't understand the kind of love I got for him. Let's go to verse number three. That it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. This is a principle. Of course, this shows up in the Ten Commandments. This was the first commandment with promise that where God said, if you'll do this, then you will be blessed. That if you will honor your father and your mother, you will live long. Look at this. This, it's the first commandment with promise. Now sometimes love has to begin in the church because there's not, there's, there's other stuff going on. I understand coming from Broken homes, blended homes, whatever. So the love has to start somewhere. God has to start somewhere in a person's life. But at some point, when you get your own family, it carries over into the home. And my precious brother and sister, the apostolic home is under brutal assault. In the 21st century. I mean, I don't even know how many, I, I could care less. I'm just saying this just to make a point. I don't know how many people are talking about this in church this week, but I'm talking about it. Because this is a first-generation apostolic church. I'm not going to wait till it's three and four generations and women are cutting their hair and and they're giving up on modesty and separation from the world and people are viewing Hollywood and they've got all these idols in their life now. You're going to need a Joshua that's going to say... I don't hate you, but you're going to have to make a choice, because around here, we're here out of prophecy. we're here from a promise. we're here from a process where God brought us from a long ways. Go to that scripture. I'm coming down the home stretch. I'm trying to be careful of the clock. I could preach this all night, but I try to be a good pastor, but being a good pastor is not making you comfortable. Being a good pastor is somebody that loves God first and understands the value of your eternal participation. That is my first responsibility, which is why I send text messages. (laughs) Where were you tonight? Honey, don't answer the phone till tomorrow. I, I don't typically ask, where were you? I typically say something like, man, I hope everybody's feeling okay. Because it is the flu season. Listen, do not waste your money by going to one of these little clinics. And I am not here preaching against clinics. But I spent a lot of money and I don't feel any better. I need Dr. John over here to make me some other go-juice. Man, after I drank that, I could take a lap. What is that in there, turmeric and ginger root? Oh, 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 apple cider vinegar, ah! I'm a little concerned that there, are, there is quite a sizable group of people that only come to church on Sunday in this church. You can't make it on one service a week. What are we, Catholics? I know some apostolic churches that are having revival. Brother Dustin, I know, having revival five and six nights a week Still and we've got people that can't even come to two services a week, we're not going to have it. You need to choose what you're going to do. We are not going to have a bunch of carnal, lazy, lousy. Oh, you're going to run people off. You know what? If you don't want this, somebody else will. I'd rather have a few Gideon that can wipe out the enemy than a whole bunch of people that's sloppy. That's sloppy. And I'm not against anybody, but I'm against an attitude and just a sloppy, just, just lousy, sloppy Tuesday night and Sunday, and Wednesday if you can make it. And the first week of January we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting, and everybody's expected. I'm just kidding, but you're invited. Why wouldn't you be here? Oh, I got to go home and look at social media. Social media. That's the gods of the Amorites. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Technology and the computer has invaded the apostolic home, and it got in before we could ever knew what even hit us. We did a great job of preaching against television, and now something even worse than television is upon us. If you will learn to pray, your mind will be blown by what God will show you, the God of the universe. How can that possibly compete? How can the world compete? Compete with that. Okay, let's go to that scripture in the book of Hebrews, verse number nine. Hebrews 11, verse number nine. By faith, talking about Abraham, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Look at this dwelling in tam- tabernacles. With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. That's three generations. There were three generations that lived in the same house. I expected that response from you. That would include your mother-in-law, your grandmother. And I'm just having fun right now. I don't want to get in trouble. That's three generations. In ancient cultures, in biblical cultures, they had their parents come and live with them. Instead of sticking them in some old folks' home and pay a monthly deal and maybe send them a card every three months and say, man, I was thinking about you. That's not a relationship. I told my kids, I told my wife, don't you dare stick me in an old folks home. I want to die at home. I told my wife, honey, I want to die in your arms with no teeth, no hair, more wrinkled than an old elephant, but it's love. It's love until the very end. She rolled her eyes. I knew it was time for me to move on. Don't be sticking me in no old folks home. I'm the one that told you guys about Jesus. You keep me in a back bedroom somewhere, but I want to die with family. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in the same tent, and all they heard about was a God that promised, and a God that delivered, and a God that brought them out, and a a God that could prophesy, and a God that made good on it. Clap your hands and give him praise. What do you think that household talked about? The newest singing group coming out of the Moabites. Some new fashion that was coming out of the Philistines. I know it's a challenge. And it's a war, but it's a war worth fighting, and it's a war worth winning. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6, Brother Tristan. Look at verse number 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Tell your children about the testimonies. This is found in Deuteronomy. This is the Deuteronomy means the second law. What it was, it was the same law, but it's being told again to a generation that's about to enter into the promised land. Joshua is the very next book. Look at this. I love this. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. It's not, honey, hand me the channel selector with a whole wall that's got a screen on it. You're greatly limiting what God can do in that home, which is going to set their trajectory for the rest of their life. And, and, and the answer is going to be, no, I'm bringing into the church for that. You've missed it, you've missed it. The home is supposed to mirror the church. The church was never supposed to bail out the home. Now I was, I was not raised in a godly home. That's one of the reasons why I got involved in some of the stupid stuff. I'd be ashamed to tell you some of the shameful, stupid things that I got involved in. You wanna know why? Because there were spirits in that house. There were spirits in that house that saw a dad that was non-existent. He was there, but no authority. Now you got. Now you got families that won't will not even support the natural flow of gender. I mean, you you and I are in. It has never been like this in the history of the world, where we are right now. Somebody said, "Well, it's going to be just like it was during the days of the apostles. It's going to be way worse than it was in the day of the apostles." You've got you've got fluid gender. You've got you can't even call them. Mr. or Mrs. or he or she. It's got to be they or them or I can't even follow that. You're just going to have to lock me up because I'm not going to memorize all that foolishness in honor of the devil. There's a man and there's a woman and that is it. And it's for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord in the... And this thing will never go down because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Stay in the church. Believe in the principles of the word of God and God will protect you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We are the last remaining remnant of reality in the world. And those people that stayed home because they were sick, they really missed it tonight, didn't they? I'm telling you. We are not going to put a bunch of people in hell. No, we're trying to pull them out of hell. But I am addressing the spirits. when you don't have the, the, When you don't have authority, authority structure in the home, when that dad or that man does not know that he is the priest of his home, there are spirits you listen to this preacher i may be the only one in the 21st century just talking about that but i'm telling you that there are devils that are looking for any opening they can get. They will attack your wife. They will attack your children. They will attack anyone they can. They need somebody. The devil needs to know that if I go to messing too much, someone's going to hit their knees. Someone's going to bring that book out. Someone's going to call on the name. Someone's going to pull a sword out. Someone's going to begin to plead the blood. Someone's going to get in the Holy Ghost. Someone's going to lift up the shield of faith. Somebody! The absence of authority is chaos, and chaos is the characteristic of hell, is chaos, when there is no authority structure in the home. And I'm not talking about some kind of John Wayne mentality. All right, partner, I'm the boss around here. Now, just walk softly and carry a big Bible. Or if my wife is here, I'd say walk softly and carry a big hanky. When my wife pulls her hanky out, The devil is not within 500 square miles of this place because he knows that when she hits her knees, things start happening. And that's exactly what happens when you start praying in your home. The devil is only going to go so far, but somebody in that home has got to say, no. You are not getting. You're not. You're not getting my children. You're not. You're not going to put that in his brain. You're not going to put that in her brain. Somebody needs to hit their knees and draw a line and bring an angel into that place and say, No, 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 no. You might go to this side. You might get in that apartment. You might get in over here. But right here, no. Clap your hands and give him praise. My wife came up with this. She wanted to start a class where young couples and younger first generations, anybody, I'm not anybody. My wife wanted to start a class about how to develop a godly home. No feeling, forget all that stuff. We don't have time for that. No, we're trying to help. But starting a godly home It's one of the reasons why my father-in-law's been in the hospital for the last two weeks. My wife said he might be going home in the next day or two. When I get around my wife's family, when I first got saved, one of the biggest draws to me, I was 30 years old. I was done with a lot of the, a lot of the immature self-gratification that was totally selfish I was, I was actually past all that. And so I was so ready. I was, I was like so ripe for this. But when I got in the Rock Church and saw the families, saw how they treated one another and they talked to each other. It's not some four-letter word, get out of the way and throw something at you. I'm telling you, a church that's operating on these principles is the most powerful thing in this world. And you think, oh, nobody wants this because they're all in sin. No, no, no. People are starving for this. The value and the honor and the respect that comes in a marriage and in a family where they love each other, they honor each other, they respect each other, it's powerful. It mirrors the kingdom of God. Talk about the word of God when you're sitting in your house. We have family night. Every once in a while, all the the kids come over. They bring all the grandkids, and we have a big meal, and we sit around and we talk about the word of God, talk about what's going on. And I am absolutely amazed, Zach, of your grasp Those kids are listening, and they know. And don't think that just because you're the mom and dad that they don't have a voice. You let those kids have a voice. I'm not talking about talking back. I'm not talking about smarting off. No. My God, I'm getting in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel it all over me. What I'm talking about is let those kids grow. Let them, let them be what God wants them to be. You'll be surprised. They understand principle. They understand the dynamics of the things of God. But you've got to be talking about it. You've got to be having, you got to be providing an environment where God can talk. Am I, is this all right tonight? I wonder what God would do in our lives if we really got it in order and said, now God, you can have it. I wonder what miracles God would bring forth into our homes. Jared talking and everybody's talking, they're talking about the things of God. And I sit back and go, Jesus, we did something right. Not a big screen blasting off some worldly music video, not somebody on their computer, not even somebody on their cell phone. When we when we get to talking. And you can feel the spirit is at is work in our family. They're not even looking at their iPhones. For the very first time probably that day, some people aren't looking at their iPhones because we're caught up in this. It's like a family thing. It's like God's doing it. It's like a God thing. Somebody help me out tonight. I'm going to tell you it's worth everything. You you might be sitting here tonight feeling condemned because you didn't do everything right. Start now. Start tonight. Start now. Start tonight. Influence it now. Start it. Make up your mind. This is going to be a house that lives for God. It's going to have prayer in it. It's going to have angels in it. It's never too late. And my God, if you got children still at home, you shouldn't have to be told. With the spirits in this world, this is why I'm concerned about families that just once a week what's going on the other six nights? Where are the gods of, the, of Molech and the Amorites? And the Amalekites, what could possibly be greater and more powerful and more captivating, more stupendous, more glorious than what God is doing in his church? Let's go back to that scripture in Deuteronomy, and I'm, I'm wrapping up and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest. Look at the posture. Sitting, when thou walkest. Okay, sitting, walking, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Every single posture. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. That's... The phylactery. Where's the Bible? In your house. Honey, where's the Bible? That's still in the car? Honey, go get go get the Bible out of the car. The pastor's asking for it. Go get that Bible. Thank you, honey. Open it up. Put an open Bible in this room. Put an open Bible in this room. Put an open Bible in this room. Put an open Bible in in the bedroom. Put an open Bible in his room. Put an open Bible in her room. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands. And let's take a commitment from this point forward. Maybe we've been doing good But there's a few areas we can tighten up. Let's just commit tonight. As for me, I'm getting rid of all the dirty stuff. I'm getting rid of all the stuff in the shadows, all the secret sin, all the hidden things. I'm going to be transparent to God. I'm going to give it all to God. I'm going to give it all. One of the reasons why some of us are struggling is because we're putting it way out there, some big panoramic deal. No, just second by second. I'm going to live for God this second, and then the next second, and then the next second, and then the next minute, and then the next hour. Because Satan has become so used to distracting me. You watch and see how many thoughts Like darts, the Bible calls them fiery darts. You have to start absolutely wow, I didn't know it was this bad. Yeah, but establish it. Push that line of demarcation out. Get them outside the living room, get them outside the garage. Go to the neighbors, go across the street, go anywhere, but you ain't coming in here. Let's lift our hands. Let's make a commitment tonight. You're going to reap what you sow. God's not going to be mocked. But tonight we can change it. We can turn it around. God will help us. The spirit of God within us will help us by the authority of the name of Jesus. I love you, God. God's done the work. God's done it all. God's done it all. God's done it all. all. You know what this altar's open. If you want to come and pray, come on. You're welcome to come and pray right now. It's a great time for somebody to pray. If you want to, Jesus. Jesus, I'm not just going to be spiritual on this pew. I'm gonna go home and get spiritual on the sofa. I'm gonna get spiritual in that kitchen chair. I'm gonna get spiritual in the front room. Ayala Makar ayala is for me in my house. Someone has got to make it up in their mind and say, no. Watch and see what God will do. Come on, let's pray. Father, I love you. Bless these people tonight, God. Bless these people tonight, God. In the name of Jesus. This home belongs to Jesus. I wouldn't even be here without Jesus. Wouldn't be breathing without Jesus. Wouldn't have a job to afford this stuff without Jesus. This home belongs to him. The food, everything. Thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. I give you glory. I give you praise. If you're sitting out there somewhere, you need to pray. Devil, you ain't getting my husband. You ain't getting my wife. Does anybody pray that way anymore? Feeling like the Lone Ranger up here. You can't have my wife. You can't have my kids. You can't have my grandkids. Does Anybody pray that way? Making a decision tonight, God. I'm not perfect. Got a long way to go, but I'm making a choice tonight, God, that we're going to turn this thing around minute by minute, day by day, give it all to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the running and shouting and praising and glory. That happened last Sunday and will happen this Sunday. But tonight, we're going to establish some things. Plant that flag a little deeper in the name of Jesus. God save me to raise a family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for a beautiful wife. Thank you for beautiful kids. Thank you for beautiful grandkids. Thank you for every family represented here tonight. Thank you for every husband, every wife, every child, every Sunday school child that's picked up in a van. God, I thank you for all of them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise your name.